Thank you for joining Women Inseparable for the study In His Likeness. May we grow in our ability to see others and ourselves in His likeness. Here's author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. We are on week three of In His Likeness. Week one, I showed up and the only thing I had to say was the name God. And I don't even think I said anything more than that. We sat and just relished in the light of who our God is. The second week we got together and we spoke of Jesus. Did you get to spend time with Jesus this week? For those of us that are going through, this is being recorded, so there'll be women doing the study at different seasons and different years. Um, but we, going through this raw and fresh for the first time, got to talk about Jesus right before Easter. Is that timing so beautiful? We got to spend a lot of time with Jesus this week, and I pray that you did have intentional time, just you and Jesus. This week, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. I woke up at 4.30 yesterday morning when my husband was getting ready for work. Normally, I hear nothing. He could do whatever he needs to do to get ready for work. I won't hear a thing. I was wide awake, and I started teaching about the Holy Spirit in my head. I haven't stopped teaching about the Holy Spirit since 4.30 yesterday morning. You can't exhaust the teaching of the Holy Spirit. To do so, you'd have to study Acts 1 to Revelation 21 entirely to wrap your head around the Holy Spirit. Some of us would say, but wait a minute, you can see the Holy Spirit in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're right. So you'd have to exhaust Matthew 1 to Revelation 21 to exhaust the teaching of the Holy Spirit. But then there's those of us that know the Old Testament, and we would say, but wait a minute, I just had a passage in my head about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, so you're right. We would have to exhaust Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 to exhaust the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And then there's those that say, but wait, wait, there's more because God is one and they existed before Genesis 1-1. So we'd have to go back to the very beginning of, not even the beginning, we'd have to go to God and exhaust that before we can enter Genesis 1-1, before we can get to Revelation 21. And then we'd have to live for eternity with him to exhaust the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Today, we have 25 minutes. Acts 1 is often the very first thing we think of when we hear the Holy Spirit, isn't it? As New Testament believers, we think Holy Spirit and we think Acts 1, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you this week to spend time, if you haven't already, because I know if you have the, um, the starter guide that we have for the study, then you read Acts 1, 2, and 3 in preparation for today. There are those people that read in preparation for events. Those of you that are preparers, well done. There are those of us that wait to find out what our personal challenge is and then decide from there, nah, not gonna do that one, or I'll do it and I'll read the whole book of Acts. We're all different, we all respond differently. So whether you've read Acts one through three beforehand or if you're going to read it when you go home or if you're gonna wait and read it in three years from now, whatever you decide when you read Acts one through three, focus entirely on the Holy Spirit. We see when he came upon the disciples, but we also see what he did through the disciples when he first came. So instead of reading about the Holy Spirit coming and then seeing what he did through Peter and what he did through the disciples and what he did through the, the unsaved getting saved, don't look at the people, look at the Holy Spirit. Personal challenge. Are we gonna do that today? Not one bit. We're gonna be in Galatians. We're gonna be in Galatians. 
because Galatians. If you want to talk about the Holy Spirit, study Galatians. It's amazing. Um, another chapter that you could introduce yourself or better, better said, if you want the Holy Spirit to introduce himself to you through scripture, which is a good way of looking at it. Um, first Corinthians chapter two, he introduces himself beautifully in first Corinthians chapter two, spend some time there. Uh, Titus is a good resource as well. Um, but we're going to do Galatians. We have six chapters in Galatians. Let's pray and get started. <laughs> Heavenly Father, oh, we kneel before your throne in complete awe of who you are as our God. We thank you, Father God, for loving the world so much. We thank you for demonstrating your love for us by sending your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you so much for saying yes to God, for obeying God and coming to earth. I thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you for dying on the cross for our sins collectively and so personally and so individually and so passionately that you took our sin to the grave. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for dying. Lord, you died so that we could live free from the sin that you paid for, free from the eternal separation from God that you paid for, that you suffered, that you went through on our behalf, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much. And God, we thank you above all things that you raised Jesus from the dead. Oh, we shout out an amazing hallelujah and amen, Father God, for raising our savior from the dead. God, thank you for sending your spirit. It's amazing that not only do we get to live free from sin because of Jesus, but we get to live because of the spirit. And I pray that you'll help us to live in the spirit right now, this very moment, starting today, no matter how long we've known the spirit, I pray that we'll start brand new, that we'll start brand new walking in the spirit today. Holy spirit speak in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. Galatians. Galatians is interesting. And here's what's interesting about it. You read Galatians and you think the name, the word freedom, it's all freedom. Galatians is freedom. But the dialogue of who's having the dialogue is fascinating to me because Paul is the one speaking, right? And we're not going to do a study on Paul. If you don't know Paul, you can meet him well in the book of Acts as well. So as you're reading Acts 1, 2, and 3, just always keep on reading. You're going to hear me say that all the time. Read Romans 8. And while you're at it, read the book of Romans. If you're ever in a book, just read the whole book because it's written as a letter. We just see it as chapters because we were born after 1500. But before 1500, there were no such things as chapters and verses. Isn't that interesting? It was books. It was letters. It was content as a whole. So whenever you're in a book, read the whole book as time allows. So when you're in Acts reading one, two, three about the Holy Spirit, continue reading on to seven, eight, nine, and you're going to see how Paul, who is named known as Saul, he was born with the name Saul, how he comes into existence of scripture. If you want to exhaust the story of Saul, Paul, read the New Testament. You'll see his full story. So Paul is the one who wrote this book to a church in a city of Galatia. The people that lived there were known as Galatians. Therefore, the book is called Galatians. 
in this book, the receivers of this letter were Christians. They were first century Christians. They knew Jesus Christ as their savior. They knew God the Father as their father through Jesus Christ by faith. They got saved by faith. It's not a new concept. They got saved the same way Paul got saved. The Galatians got saved the same way you got saved. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your savior? When Paul asked Galatians, they said, yes, yes, passionately. By faith, we are saved. Do you know God the Father? Passionately, by faith, he is our father because of Jesus. They knew this, they lived this, but there was a problem. The problem, and here's what's so interesting. The problem was Peter. Is that not fascinating? This is, let's call it, 14, 15 years, and you can correct me if I'm incorrect. I'm totally okay with that. But let's call it over a dozen years after Jesus rose again, after Jesus ascended back to heaven. The church is alive. The city is on fire. Jesus, by faith, is spreading through the city. Peter, who got saved, right? We know his story. If you don't, you'll meet him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you've got four great books to meet Peter. But Peter gets saved under the teaching of Jesus Christ in the flesh. He's been saved. He was the one you'll see him in Acts 1, 2, and 3. He's the first one to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in the flesh. This is Peter, powerhouse, the very rock on which our church is built, Peter. And here, Peter, the foundation, if you will, of the demonstration of the, the Holy Spirit in us, comes to this church and steers this church away from freedom. Not intentionally. Peter is preaching Peter's message. Peter's message is entitled and focused on Jewish Christians. This is what's so interesting to me. Peter was saved the same way Paul was saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Peter and Paul were both saved exactly the same way you and I are saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The difference is Peter was saved and called by God to be filled by the Holy Spirit to do this thing to this crowd. Paul was called by God and was filled with the spirit to preach this message to this people over here, different crowds. When you have a different crowd and you have a different audience, you have different words. This is what happens with Peter and Paul. Paul has been working with these churches of Greek Christians. These are people that are getting saved that were not religious before they got saved. Anybody in this room get saved out of non-religious lifestyles? Okay, there's one of us. There are some of us, yeah, thank you for being bold and raising your hand. I love that. I would love like 29 hands up. But there are some of us that get saved out of a sinful lifestyle. We're all sinners. Even, even religious people are sinners. Did you know that? But there are some of us that are not raised in religion. We're raised in a, a home where there's no knowledge of God. We live a life, no knowledge of God. And in our lack of knowledge of God, we get saved. That's Paul's audience. There are those of us that were raised in religion, whatever that religion may be that just crossed your heart, that just focused your, your past story. There are those of us that got saved out of religion. And here we are together. 
Paul's focus is to those that got saved out of a non-religious lifestyle. Does that make sense? So Peter comes and visits them and he's talking and he's living his life like that one that got saved out of religion, but speaking to a crowd that doesn't know what he's talking about. So these people over here, and this is what happens. This is what happens all the time. These people over here that don't know religion, they started hearing what they do in religion and thought, oh, if I wear your image of religion, I'll look more Christian. Have you ever struggled with that? Have you ever heard somebody that you love and adore, which Peter is somebody that was loved and adored, have you ever heard somebody that loved that you loved and adored that was highly in love with God and you saw their demonstration of Christian and you said, ah, oh, I want that. I need that appearance of Christian. Oh, they're a good Christian. Let me put that on. That's what's happening in this church. Isn't that interesting? Paul, the humble, quiet man that he is, tells Peter, and you see this in chapter two, he calls Peter out publicly. That's a good friend. Not a good friend. A good friend says, uh-uh, you've got the wrong words to the wrong people. In today's society, true stories, there are two different men that both have churches both have ministries in our nation, two different men. One of these men were called out of a religion of our nation. He got saved when he was a teenager while he was doing things for his religion. That's what this man did. He, he, this guy is my age. In fact, I think both of these guys are my age. He, he was raised in a religion. He was doing work for the religion. He got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. By faith, he was saved. Do you know, decade later, his ministry is for that religion? That's powerful. He hangs out with that religion. He speaks that religion's language. His music is geared for that religion. His wording is for that religion. He does everything. His whole life's existence is for those in that religion to know by faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Not powerful. That's beautiful. There's another man who walked into a coffee shop here in our nation about 10, 12 years ago. He walked into a coffee shop, saw a couple of teens 18, 17, 19 years old, sitting at a coffee shop. They were sitting there discussing the Bible, these teenagers. They were just doing what they do, discussing the Bible in a public coffee shop. This guy walks in and says, question, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, question, this is my name. This is my sin. What does that book say about it? These teenagers say to this man, according to the Bible, that's a sin. But Jesus, that man got saved. That man has a church that focuses on that sin. His whole power, his whole passion is to go to people that live the same sin that he was saved from to say you can be saved from that sin. Imagine if these two men switched places. 
what would happen? These are both powerful ministries that are taking place today in our nation. Pray for these ministries, powerful, powerful opportunities. But what happened, the same thing with Peter and Paul. Imagine if these two men switch places, but they don't change their dialogue. This sinner who is living in the freedom of sin goes back to those that know sin and say, Jesus can save you from that sin. If he took his image of sin, his freedom from sin and goes to this religious place, he would be judged on the spot. Name of Jesus would not be heard. Is that fair? You put this religious person who got saved out of religion and go to this world of sin where the sin is evident. Wouldn't he feel a little out of place? They have the same exact message. Their message is the same exact message I get to do every single time I get to speak scripture to anyone I get to speak scripture to. The message is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you believe on him, you will not perish. You will be saved. The message is exactly the same. However, the audience, night and day, isn't it? Know your audience. Peter came in. And chapter two in Galatians tells us Peter was like, hey, so are you guys circumcised? And they're like, no. Are you? <laughs> it's a quite intimate conversation. That's kind of comical, isn't it? But Peter, it made sense to Peter because he was raised in that. That was his culture. It was his mentality. It was all he knew. It was his very bloodline. Literally, he is from Abraham. It was his bloodline. Being circumcised was an image of the relationship with God. That's powerful. That's beautiful. That's them. Paul's people, us, women, it's a tough conversation to have. Are you circumcised? Um, we as women could insert other things in this passage, can't we? Let's look at passage. Let's, let's stay with Galatians 2. And we'll look at verse 11. Let's start there. Galatians 2.11 says, But when Cephas, and this is another name for Peter, but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul speaking. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, um, let's not do character study, verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and he separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with Peter, so that even Barnabas, Paul's partner, his ministry partner, even Barnabas was led astray to behave in hypocrisy with Peter. Wanting to look like a Christian is a very powerful thing that we want so badly, don't we? We want to look like a Christian. Is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. We know Jesus is our savior. It's like a bride wanting to look like a bride. Always with the ring. You see a mom with a newborn. You see a mom with a baby belly. Always rubbing her belly. And you're like, oh wait, are you pregnant? Yes. <laughs> we, like, we like showing how much we love our thing, our husband, our child, our fill in the blank. 
we love Jesus so entirely. We fell in love with him all over again last week, didn't we? Oh, I pray that every day of your life you fall in love with Jesus. Like, well, I met him 20 years ago. So do you love him? Don't stop falling in love with Jesus. I don't know if you got saved today. I don't know if you got saved 29 years ago. Fall in love with Jesus today. Tomorrow, fall in love with Jesus today. Tonight, fall in love with Jesus today. In an hour and a half, fall in love with Jesus today. Always fall in love with Jesus. So the fact that we fall in love with Jesus all the time means we want to show the world around us that we love Jesus. That's a good thing. We want our children to know that we love Jesus. That's a good thing. We want our coworkers to know that we love Jesus. That's a good thing. The problem is, and this is where we, and I'm putting myself right there in frontline demonstration, we mess up because we want to be displaying our Christianness in our flesh. We want our flesh to demonstrate to others Jesus. And you're like, how do you separate the two? Exactly. Hard. And that's where the whole entire book of Galatians comes in. Paul explains this so beautifully in the entire book. Will you please spend time on your knees this week with the spirit and the book of Galatians? That is my personal challenge. My, my plea, open up the book of Galatians and say, God, starting right now, I don't know what I know about the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you know about the Holy Spirit. I want to forget everything that I knew. And I want to start today Showing my love for Jesus by faith in the spirit. Because Peter or Paul says, forgive me, Paul says, by faith, you are saved. By faith, he says, God has given you the spirit by faith. And then he says the infamous words walk by what? Faith. By faith. There's just the same way in which we ask Jesus to be our savior. What did you do to get saved? Anything? You're like, I confessed with my mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believed in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And then I was saved. So what did you do? Did you do a dance? Did you get rid of your sin? Did you change your whole lifestyle? Did you fix your marriage? Did you raise your children differently? Did you quit your job? Did you change your clothes? Did you do all this stuff to receive Jesus as your savior? Or did you receive Jesus as your savior as a sinner? In awe that Jesus died for your sin. It was by faith. There is absolutely no difference when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's no difference. You're like, but what about my works? By my works, I show my faith. You're right. That's your next step. Right now, we're falling in love with the Holy Spirit. If you're at that step, sweet sister in Christ, stay where you are. But fall in love with Jesus. But if you're meeting the Holy Spirit for the first time, or you want to take the challenge of meeting the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit introduce himself to you for the first time, then forget what you know about the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, this is what I'm asking you to do. Can you show me if I'm living by faith and letting you do the work in me, or am I demonstrating my Christian heirs through my, fl my flesh? Is that a fair thing to evaluate? The way I talk to people, the tone that I use, do I do that because I'm trying to demonstrate to the people I'm talking to that I know Jesus? Is that the same tone you use when you're home alone? <laughs> 
And that just answered your self-evaluation question. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was there when God created you. Let's read scripture. Let's look at verse 15. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and we're not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by what? Faith in Christ and not by what? Works. Not by works of the law. He's speaking to people that know the physical law of scripture, the Genesis, the Exodus, the Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. As you're in Galatians this week, you'll see that they were, they were purposely celebrating different days and seasons and years so that they could demonstrate their Christianness. We don't struggle with that so much. We don't go back to the Old Testament sacrifices, do we? I don't know many of us that do. This generation was so used to that. This, these are first generation Christians. They were literally just saved out of those daily sacrifices, those daily killing of animal and sprinkling of the blood. This is part of their society. And Paul is saying, you're free from that. Why are you going back to that? Jesus is the perfect lamb. His blood was shed for you. His body was pierced for you. And then he conquered it. Why are you going back to it? Don't do that. For us, it's the same thing, religious Christian. It's the same thing. You have been saved from the works of the law. Whether you want to go back to Genesis law or man-made law or Christian law or religion law or Baptist law or Lutheran law, whatever it is you got saved out of in the world of religion, you are free from the works of that law. Why are you going back to it? Well, because the people that I'm with only know that I'm a Christian because I wear these clothes. It's what we do, isn't it? We put on our works of the law. I was talking to a businessman a couple years ago, years, years ago, and he said, I only know a couple millionaires, but I know a whole lot of thousandaires. And I laughed because it was such a weird thing to hear and asked for explanation. And he, a high dollar business guy, he goes, I only know a couple of millionaires because you can never point them out. But I know a whole lot of thousandaires that live their life as if they're millionaires because they think that's what a millionaire should look like. And they're all in debt. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was a very interesting conversation. And I think that that's what we do as Christians. We put on our Christian airs because we think this is what a Christian ought to look like. But the Holy Spirit has a very specific message for you. Very specific message for you. And that message is this, I created you and I want you to be you. That's his message. Do you find freedom in that? Does that scare you? Because you know you, don't you? And you're like, but wait, wait, I want more. This can't be it. I know me. I think I spend too much time with me and it grosses me out. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is spending as much time with you as you are spending time with you. And he loves you. And he wants you free to be you. 
So this is what we need to do so that we can catch up to where the Holy Spirit is in us. Here's what we need to do. We need to be able to separate what we know of ourselves in the flesh and what the spirit knows of us in the spirit. You're you. You are so perfectly and beautifully made you. God created you. Write that in your book. God created me. God created me. Not the Christian sitting next to me. God created her. But right now, so selfishly, I'm focused on the fact that God created me. Do you think God loves you a little bit? Do you think God messed up when he created you? I'm telling you right now, God created you perfectly. Jesus died for me. You, know, you write that down. You're like, but I know Jesus died for me. Okay, but live like Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. What part of me did Jesus die for? That's a good question. Do you have that answer? What part of me did Jesus die for? Did he die for your sin? Yes. That's the part of you that does not exist anymore. Did you know that? That part of you does not exist anymore. Daughter of the king, sweet girl that has received Jesus Christ by faith, you are saved from that sin. That's there, that sin that Jesus died for is not you anymore. You are not a sinner anymore. Can you write that down and believe it? I am not a sinner anymore. And I think it's very interesting. I said, write the words, God created me and heads went down and pens started going. And I said, write the words, Jesus died for me and heads went down and pens started going. And when I said, write the words, I am no longer a sinner. Nobody's head went down. The one did. Two did. I love that. We're looking up and writing. I am not a sinner. <laughs> How often do we see ourselves as a sinner? Do we always see ourselves as a sinner? Can I give you a personal challenge? And I don't care if you've never done a personal challenge. Will you please do this one? Will you please not see yourself as a sinner anymore? And if you struggle with this, you need to join First John and Jesus on your knees. If you have received by faith, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Scripture says your sin has been dead. Your sin was buried in the grave. Your sin has been silenced by the very voice of the King of Kings. Your sin is not you anymore. You are not a sinner. You are not a sinner. You are Jesus's sister. You are the friend of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are not a sinner. You are saved, saved from your sin. You are not a sinner. You say, but I sinned on my way here when that guy cut me off in the road. Yes, because you're flesh and you're still going to sin. But that very moment that you sin, you say, God, I'm so sorry that I sinned that one moment, but that does not make me a sinner. Do you see the difference? There is a difference in being a sinner. A sinner does not know Jesus as their savior. That's what a sinner is.
A sinner does not know by faith that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again. That is what a sinner is. Are you a sinner? You're not a sinner unless you have not received Jesus as your savior. Will you receive Jesus as your savior today? This is my plea for you. But if you have ever cried out to God and said, Jesus, you are my Lord because you are God and you came and you dwelt among us and you died on my sinner's cross. You took my sin, you wore it and you were separated from God because of my sin. And then God forgave my sin and rose you back to life and gave me life eternal. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not a sinner anymore. Oh, say that 29,000 times every minute of every day of your life. I am not a sinner. And when you sin because you are flesh and you are alive and it's going to happen because humans are around us. It's always the other human's fault. Sin is going to happen. We live in a broken world. Our ears hear stuff that we can't even handle, and we respond with sin. Our eyes see things that bring memories to our head, and sin happens. It hits us randomly all the time. Sin is going to happen. That does not mean that you are a sinner. Do you see the difference? There is a huge difference. You're not a sinner. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. And when you sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, confess it. He is faithful and just to forgive it. And then you proclaim out loud to shut Satan up and send Satan back to hell where he rightfully belongs. And you say, I am not a sinner. You tried, but you're in hell. I am not. It's the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more to talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we get to do for the rest of this study. We are created in his likeness, are we not? We are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. We are created in the image of the Holy Spirit that is in us and for us always. You are not a sinner. You are alive in his likeness. This is what we get to do for the rest of the study. Know who you are. Know who you are. Not who you were, who you are. That's the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Father God, we, we stand in awe. We don't know how to look at ourselves through your eyes. I, I don't know how to look at myself through your eyes. You see me as your daughter. And you see me without sin. And it's so hard to wrap my head around that because I know me. And I know my words are expressed in every heart that's in prayer with me right now. It's so easy to see ourselves in the grossness of who we are, in the habits of what we know, the sin in which we're so used to carrying. But Jesus, I pray that we won't disrespect your blood. I pray that we won't make our past identity of sin brighter and bigger than our present identity of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we beg you, starting right now, starting this moment, that you will help us to separate the two. 
separate us from who we are in the flesh, who we were in the flesh as a sinner. And I pray that you will bring to our eyes individually what we are in you. Spirit, we ask you to work. We give you permission to work by faith. By faith, we are here. We are yours. And we thank you so much for calling us, calling us yours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today. If you need prayer or simply have questions, email us at womeninseparable at gmail.com. You can find more Women Inseparable studies on various social media platforms.